Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. My name is Stephen Jodder, and... Joining me, as always, is Jake Watoba and Armand Kafai. And on today's episode, yes, USA, USA, we talk more U.S. Women's National Team and the World Cup. Now, before we get to that, follow us on Twitter at UncSamSoccerPod. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast and leave us a five-star review. Alrighty, fellas. It's been a busy weekend for all of us. Gold Cup, Copa America. Women's World Cup. God, a lot of soccer. But, uh, listeners, let's go to France. Reading from the Washington Post, Sydney Boren. Carly Lloyd started the scoring in the U.S. Chile World Cup game Sunday with an absolute missile of a goal, then celebrated with a gesture more suited for Pebble Beach than a soccer stadium, Paris. Mindful of the controversy that engulfed the U.S. team after it repeatedly and joyfully celebrated goal after goal after goal. In a 13-0 shellacking of Thailand last week, Lloyd teammates exchanged hugs and crack congratulations. All right, guys. So this is what this is what we're going to do with the U.S. Women's National Team. We're not going to talk about on-the-field stuff. We're going to continuously talk about this celebration nonsense. This, this is what it's come to. This is what's going to happen for the next several weeks. Well, maybe if you sexist, misogynist men didn't tell them how they should be celebrating after they score the 12th and 13th goal of the match, Steven. <laughs> All right, Armand. Um, listeners, follow us, by the way, at Sam Soccer Pod, at Armand Kafai, at Jake Wattrobe, at Steven Jodron. Now, Armand, you weren't here last week when we actually discussed this 13-nail schlacking. But give us your 30-second comments on it. I mean... It, it kind of depends on the circumstance. If it is your first World Cup goal, celebrate all you want. But, I mean, it's 13-0, and, you know, you're obviously beating up on a Thailand team that's not good. Continue to score the goals. Continue to, like, play your game. But, I mean, the celebrations, like, look, like, really you're 9-0 and you're sliding like you scored the World Cup winner or something? Come on, man. That's just, that, that's, you know, that's not it. And, uh, the one thing that really bothered me, I would say, is a lot of people were saying, well, the, the initial reaction is because uh, women have faced sexism we know that the initial reaction to that is oh like if a men if a guy would do it would they be criticized like 
the, the same. That's kind of what you know, like the, the I guess litmus test is because a lot of the times guys do something and women will do something and a woman will get chastised, but a guy won't. In this instance, that doesn't work because 100% do like multiple people I've talked to. Yes, like if guys were doing this, they would get ripped for it. If you know the United States was beating uh, Guyana like 9 0, that's not foreshadowing or anything, but let's say they do. Uh, and if Pulisic celebrates like he just scored the game winner in the Champions League and it's like 9 0, like no. Like, we'd be like, no, dude, like, you're, come on, like, show you're a leader. Like, well, not even that. It's more like, it's, I, it, it's hard because it's the World Cup. It's the grand stage. It's the grandest of them all. Right? So, it, it's hard to make comparisons here. And I tried looking back at some lopsided score lines in meaningful games just to see how people celebrate after, obviously, the game's out of reach. England 6-1 over Panama in the 2018 World Cup. You watch the celebration, it's a little it's a little bit different as they get higher in the scoreline. Germany seven one over Brazil, two thousand fourteen World Cup, semifinal in Brazil, all to play for. Maybe the Germans are boring. There's a stereotype with that. They're a machine. You know, it's all about performance, performance, and performance. Get the job done, check mark and move on, right? But their celebrations after five nothing, four nothing were a little less than it was at one or two zero. Mexico seven zero in the Gold Cup over Cuba. Armand, you you were paying attention to that game. What were the celebrations like that? Now I get it, I get it, listeners. It's not the World Cup, but still, the, the celebrations of the U.S. women's national team was a bit odd to me. I don't, I didn't care that they scored thirteen goals. In fact, they could have scored sixteen goals. It wouldn't have mattered to me. It is the celebrations, and let's listen to what Hope Solo said on CBS this morning. Well, I am no stranger to controversy, <laughs> but let me tell you, I am I'm a proponent of respecting my opponents, um, and I always have been. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I've made some comments in the past out of poor sportsmanship, but ultimately, I, I truly believe that that we have to show so much class, especially coming from the number one team in the world. We can have fun. We can score goals. We can show the world how fun the game of football is, how it's the world's game, and we can enjoy it and celebrate it. And I think in order to show respect to your opponents, you have to play with so much intensity and passion. So so I don't think that the United States should have taken their foot off the pedal and stopped scoring goals, but I think it was unnecessary to have planned out goal celebrations my favorite goal celebrations are the ones that come naturally because you really see the passion from, from the player. So if it's your first goal in the World Cup, I understand. But once you start to get to the ninth goal, to the tenth goal, you start to see the, the, um, the Thailand players start to look dejected. And, and it, starts to, it starts to hurt. You know, I'm in the stadium. If Megan Rapinoe wants to celebrate the way she did against a team like Germany, a team like Norway, a team like Brazil, a team like England... By all means, I'll be right behind her, but I think it was unnecessary against a team like Thailand. What I thought was so classy was after the end of the game, Carly Lloyd went up to the goalkeeper, the Thailand goalkeeper, and she put her arm around her and she walked her off the field. And that is the class that I want to see from the United States. Yeah, Hope Solo, uh, a lightning rod of discussion, always a great soundbite. I do not understand. I mean, I guess I do understand. Like people put a microphone in her face, but man, 
she <laughs> she you can't take her seriously. It's it's she talks about respecting her opponents, right? She talks about let's not celebrate, let's respect the opponents. And then this is the same person after the uh, Olympic loss in, in in Rio 2016 to Sweden, in which she said, uh, 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 quoted here in the uh, LA Times after that loss against Sweden, we played a creative game. We had many opportunities on goal. We showed a lot of heart. We came from a goal down. I'm very proud of this team. We played a bunch of cowards. The best team did not win today. I strongly, firmly believe that. What's worse, Armand, what's worse? The celebrations at 10 nothing, or an opponent after a game calling the winners cowards? Yeah, it's definitely the uh, cowards part. Cause, I mean, it shows that you're frustrated. You can't. You, uh, well, you couldn't break them down. No, I, kinda, I really? disagree with that. Really, I disagree with that. Because at the end of the day, Sweden got the last laugh. You can sit there and say Sweden's cowards and they suck and they're not the best team. But at the end of the day, they're the ones who moved on. I think beating Thailand, like let's face it, Thailand, they get at the ring 34th in the world. We talked about this last week's episode. Uh, they, got their, they got a goal today. They yeah, got a goal it, today. But did like, you see the, the celebration? Did you see? Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna pause on. Thailand, first, you know, in an important goal in their footballing history. The coach is crying on the sideline. But did you see the reaction from the players? Especially the goal uh, the goal scorer? It's like they it's like they scored a goal in the friendly and they just walked back to to get the game started again. It was it was a very interesting celebration from the players. The coach had all the emotion on it. That it was a beautiful moment in the country's history, a beautiful moment for the World Cup. But I thought it was a bit odd to see the players celebrate. So she, so she didn't slide and like do like, a, like a. Are you saying bolt? Like are you saying bolt or something like that, or you know? I mean, look, I understand what Jake's saying because he, I mean, he is right. Sweden did get the last laugh, but at the same time, I do feel like it, just, it doesn't look good when after a game that you lost, uh, whatever happens, you lost. You know, and you come I, out and say, I'm a, uh, you're, you're playing cowards, you guys aren't good, like this or that. Like, it doesn't look good. I mean, celebration, or what? You, you earned a celebration, but you didn't earn the right to call them cowards. I don't think the U.S. earned the right to celebrate the way they did against Thailand, who, let's face it, probably, I mean, th- th- that's not a good soccer team. <laughs> Hope Solo saying they're cowards. That's one person, but the entire team basically showing up the Thai national team, I think is, is much worse. I, it's, it's like, I, I try to explain it to somebody and that you can take this however, which way you want. If this is a bad comparison or not, this is like, this is like playing with your 12 year old nef- nephew one-on-one and just rubbing it in his face. Every time you dunk the ball or every time you make a shot or every time you block them and you're a full grown man. And you're just you're just destroying him in basketball, and it's like, yeah, I'm up by forty points. You suck, kid. <laughs> like that's what it felt like to me. Well, look, listeners, you can agree with us, disagree with us, tweet at us at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. I think U.S. Women's National Team did the greatest thing by doing this because it was on the radio, it was in the newspapers, it was on national television, cable news, it was talked about. So the controversies that they drew up, brilliant job. No. It's the the same line, you know. There's no such thing as bad press. You get media coverage. We're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team on sports radio, on national television, cable news. It, it it's it's actually a good thing if you ask me. 
it and the golf clap today. Kind of a good move from the U.S. Yeah, brilliant. I thought it was hilarious. It, it's hilarious. I mean, look, I, we're clapping it yeah. back at them. It, it's a good move. I still didn't like the celebrations after 8 nothing, But we can still move on. We can still all support the U.S. We can still want them to succeed. And And if we really want to have this level playing field when it comes to talking about women's and men's sports, then we should have criticisms on both that are equal. So if this happens to the men, that they're up 10 nothing, if Germany's up 10 nothing on uh, Malta or something, and they're celebrating the way that the U.S. women absolutely criticize them, the same way that we should criticize the women. If we're going to have equality in society, we should have open criticism, and criticism should not be just limited to one. I mean, it's interesting though, right? Because who were the people really saying, hey, look, we don't like this look? It wasn't people that are covering the U.S. soccer, the like the women's national team, yeah? It was a guy, It was people watching TV or, or whatnot. I, I don't think that'd be the case for like other like teams. You know what I'm saying? Like if Wait, the what men's do you mean? Nas- if it's, let's say the men's national team, World Cup, they're playing – I mean, with a 48-team World Cup, this might happen. Uh, yeah, playing, no, you know, absolutely. With a 48-man... They're playing... Yeah. I don't know who they're... I, I can't... I don't think they're around. Faroe Islands. I don't know how they'll make it. They definitely won't. Let's say I play them. They're beating up 10-0. I feel like, you know, guys covering the senior national team, like, who are there, would be like, hey, we don't like that. You know, like, hey, like, cool out about that. We know it's a World Cup, but it's a Faroe Islands. Like, it's not Brazil, Germany, etc., I didn't feel like, from my reading, that anyone on the team that was covering a team, who's covering a team right now in France, was saying, hey, look, we should, like, that's not good. I think they're all defending them, which I found really weird. Um, well, I mean, you know what I'm well, saying? Yeah, but here, here's the thing, and this is the conclusion I made at the end of the last time we talked about this. It's 13 goals, great, but the U.S. women's national team does not win at all. It's not going to mean anything. Alex Morgan's... Is, performance of five goals three assists will be meaningless in the long term it'd be a great statistic it'll be forever attached to her name but what will cement her legacy and what cement this team's legacy is hoisting the world cup trophy on that sunday final so six points from two games a plus 16 goal differential domination domination and domination so let's take it around opening thoughts really after two games with the U.S. women's national team. Jake. It's clear to me, and this is just based off of watching the U.S. play against Thailand and Chile, and then looking at some of the other games going on in the Women's World Cup, that the U.S. women's national team are head and shoulders better than any team currently in the field. And... I don't know if that just says that the, the women's national team is really good or if there is a huge drop off after the you know the first like like I think if they played Germany or England or the Netherlands, it would be closer than thirteen nil. Uh so I you think, think the sh- US women's national team is so far ahead of everybody else. No, I'm saying I'm what I'm saying is I don't think the drop off would be as stark with, you know, the Netherlands or Germany. Like I ch- let's face it, the, the goalkeeper for Chile, uh Christiane Endler basically stood on her head today. They should have the won best player six. on the pitch. She, if you she, ask me. They should have won six or seven nothing today. I do think if they played Germany or the Netherlands, it would be closer. But after like those first four or five teams 
in this in this field, like those top four or five teams, it just really drops off talent wise. So that's why it's hard for me to know like how good like this is obviously this is probably the best U.S. women's team ever. But it almost makes me wonder: Does this field need to be shrunk? Is is are there too many teams in the, in the women's World Cup? That's what I'm wondering. And now whatever flack you want to give me on Twitter, I don't care for saying that. But it makes me wonder if. There, there are simply too many teams in this field. It's a criticism of the European Championships that expanded to 24 teams over 16. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a criticism of the 2026 World Cup. They keep it at 48. And, yeah, and yeah. we're and we're all, and we're all against that on the show. We do not want to see the men's side expand to 48 teams either. So because now you're but it, more it also the men's side too. but here's the problem. It also shows with the women's game the lack of development in, I would say, the developing. Nations. I mean, look look at this this list, guys, of teams that have moved on so far in the knockout stage. Still plenty to play for, but France, Germany, Italy, England, the U.S., Japan, Sweden, Canada, Netherlands. These are all Westerns, Western nations. This is where development has happened a lot more rapidly for the women's game. So as much as the U.S. is elevating and, and we're talking about the media... FIFA needs to take this in control and really start developing the women's games in other nations, not these nations that you know have some sort of already of a foundation. It's not equal. We know that. And I'm not saying that it is. But what I am saying is that it really favors a particular type, the Western nations, that really screws over the African nations or the Asian nations where the development of the women's game is so far behind that you end up with a 13-0 result. I mean, you go back last World Cup... My Switzerland defeated. I, I don't remember. I, I should really look this. Should have looked this up. Tweet at us. Correct me. Some African nation, like eight or nine, nothing. And it was just. It is is an interesting point. Now, Armand, what, what is your takeaway from this complete and utter domination by the U.S.? It's so hard to have a takeaway. It's really hard to have a takeaway because. I mean, honestly, I would love uh, listeners if you're look, listening right now and. Uh, you have access to a computer, maybe tweet us. I would love to know how many passes in the final third were completed by both teams. These teams weren't even a challenge. Now, is that is that something against the U.S.? No. But it's so tough for me to take away something from these games when it, all the U.S. is doing. The U.S. should have won like 8-0. If, there was, if Elder wasn't a net, it should have been 8-9-0. Their goal difference would have been plus 22 or something like that uh, going, into, going into the final match against Sweden. Like, it was, to me, it's insane. Uh, it's so hard to take away stuff uh, from that match. I mean, they look ruthless. Maybe not head and shoulders better, Jake, but ruthless. Oh, yeah. They, they, it's they, so cut, They bro. go for the kill. They yeah. go for the kill. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we're content on 4 Like, no, we want to go. We want to get you more and more and more and more. And you know 3-0? Like, if Elder wasn't in there, it literally would have been nice. No, they were ruthless. And I want to see that ruthless, that cutting edge, that – that desire against a team that's not Thailand or Chile, and no offense to them, but U.S. top tenders, maybe five, six teams are competing for this title right now uh, in the Women's World Cup. I want to see them do that against Sweden, who they might not even be in that top that top five or six teams competing for us, but they might thrash Sweden. They might go through and beat Sweden up. Well, uh, I, Alex- I, it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me. I don't know, man. I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you, Stephen, but I don't know, man. I, it's hard for me to take away anything, but I, I think. The biggest takeaway you can say is they're ruthless and they're not going to stop at a one or two zero. They want to go for another ten zero. Alexi Lawless, I think 
on the pregame, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong here, said something to the likes that the World Cup really begins against Sweden for the U.S. women's national team. Yeah, yeah. no, that that is what he said. He, he, yeah, and, and it's kind of, it's kind of, to hear that from a media member, especially on the U.S. side, to acknowledge that these first two matches aren't, they, they don't really mean anything for the U.S. Like, I, I, I isn't that kind of amazing? Like, I, I don't feel like you would necessarily hear that in media usually to say like, ah, oh, these are just kind of just matches like to play. But once they get to Sweden, well, that's when it actually starts for them. You know, it, it's just it. It just shows you how contrast between how good the U.S. are to Thailand and Chile really is. Yeah, yeah, and it's Carly Lloyd's a beast. I mean, these these players for the the national team are just beasts all around, cutthroat, and it'll be exciting to to watch them play. When a when there is a competition or when the game is kind of hanging in the balance, let's see this team react when they take a punch because right now they're front runners, and they've been front runners from the get go and they've earned it. But let's let's see what happens when when they face some competition. Now, guys, this actually leads us to the question day. It's very late in the show, but let's take our USA fanboy hats off and let's ask this from a neutral standpoint. Do you find these games being over after about 30 minutes, fun from a neutral sporting standpoint, specific with the U.S.? No, it's not fun. The games are not, are not enjoyable to watch. After a 30 they're not. I would say that for anything else. They're not fun. Like, after you see, like, a nice 7-0 win, oh, cool, they won 7-0. I'm not, I'm not watching that. I got better things to do. I'm not gonna watch it at a nice eight nine after like eight. Oh, it's nine zero. Oh, it's ten zero. Oh, it's eleven. It's twelve. Today I caught the end of the second half. Like even that wasn't fun for me to watch. I want to see a challenge. I want to see a competitive game. That's what people want to see. People want to see teams go at each other. They want to see the best of best. You know, play a nice competitive matchup. They don't want to see blowouts. Look, like that's why so many people like. You don't want to see a blowout, like. Dude, if it's like four or five zero, it's over. Like go home, especially uh, with with the uh, gap in uh, talent and ability uh, between like the top teams on the women's side and the lower teams. Like if it's two zero, it's basically over. Like good night. Like at least uh, some other teams, if you're a lot more closer, they could, uh, could come back. But if it's two zero and it's like U.S. Thailand, it's over, bro. Well, turn that thing off. So you go, you go, you go do something productive with your day. Yeah, well, turn it up, but apparently Thailand versus USA, that match, it was the best metered market rating for any soccer telecast on English-language television since the 2018 Men's FIFA World Cup Final on Fox. So people are watching. People are tuned in. And I think the fact they score 13 only makes it a little bit more watchable because I'm sure people are interested to see if they can continue this streak. But, Jake, if we're going to make cross-sports references, college football, Alabama, is it really fun when they're beating up on a nobody 52-7 or when Bayern Munich, Juventus, Barca, City, and PSG just repeat it and a lot of these uh, clubs, Juventus, Barca, PSG, Bayern, are winning you know, 6-7 straight, and let's make it more a personal connection. My New England Patriots. I honestly can say I am. It, it gets a little bit boring when the Patriots are up 
forty to ten in midway through the third quarter. I'm not I'm not as tuned into it. I live for the day that I don't have to hear a Patriots reference on this show. From it's my yeah, mission to make met. it every day. Met. Every day is a Patriots mission. I mean, Stephen, you're right. I mean, watching I mean Alabama football like is probably the best comparison we can make when talking about the women's national team. There's there's no reason that if you're if you're bored on a Saturday afternoon and you turn on CBS and it's Bama versus Georgia Southern, that game's over at the end of the first quarter. It's like twenty eight nothing Bama. There's no fun in watching that. Even for me as a you know University of Minnesota Golden Gopher fan for college football with a non conference schedule. I mean the Gophers on a powerhouse, but you know when I'm watching the Gophers play Louisiana Lafayette and they're up forty two you know seven at halftime, it's like what's the fun in this? No, I turn it off. This game today they got up two nothing and I just thought okay there's no point to watching this anymore. This isn't going to be competitive. It's one way track. Well, it's not like, even the that the con- scoreline was two nothing. It was the fact that Chile never really made a threat. That's well, that's what I'm that's, saying. It was, it that's was, also it was the problem. Way, it, it was one way traffic for the U.S. The ball was constantly in. In the U.S. is uh, attacking third for most of the most of that first half. I mean, I mean most of the game actually. It's just, it's just not fun. Like I said, the best comparison I can make is a non-conference schedule for college football or even college basketball too, because that's where you get these these dominant performances with these top teams against these nobody schools or these small these small schools in the NCAA. But I want to read two fun facts on the U.S. women and the. Uh, this World Cup here before we wrap up today's show. Uh, Carly Lloyd has become the first player ever to score in six consecutive Women's World Cup matches. I think we've all acknowledged that Carly Lloyd is a machine, right? I think we all can say that. I think she's honestly my favorite player on this women's national team. I love her. She's awesome. She's a her beast. and Tobin Heath. Yeah. Oh, my God. God. Two of the best players in the world right now, in my opinion. Right, right. And then this next fact, I, I want to get your guys' opinion on this because I think this is a interesting fact. 21 of the 71 goals, that's 29.6% if you're doing your math, have been scored on set pieces so far in this World Cup. What does that say about the competition so far in this 2019 Women's World Cup? That's a good question. I have no idea. I don't know. That's a huge conversion rate. That's a massive. Huge that's not a big rate. conversion rate. I mean, it, it, in cases going forward, if you're coaching staff for a team trying to make a deep run in the World Cup, co- set, set pieces, pieces, set pieces, set pieces. Yeah, as Alexi Law says. Yeah, I, you have to be defensively. You have to be worried about it. You have to make sure you're marking the runner. And if you're on on the offensive side, you have to make sure you convert. You have this is golden opportunity based on the on the statistics. Let alone that. Anyway, guys, uh, next match against Sweden. I'm excited for this match. I have to say the controversy has kind of glued my eyes to the television. As much as we say the game's over after 2 nothing, we are talking about it. We are texting about it. We are interested. So well done to the U.S. Women's National Team. They created controversy. Now they're eyeballs. Let's see what happens against Sweden, a team that hopes solo criticized. There's history there. Armand, you get the final word. It's where the World Cup really begins. I think a lot of people aren't going to spend this match to be high-flying and fun. I think the U.S. are going to smoke them. I really do. Um, I, I, think the, I think the U.S. dominates this result. 
and people are going to be going into the looking into the knockout stage being, oh man, this U.S. team is better than 2015, and they're ruthless and they don't care, and they love the targets on their backs and they want to embrace that. I guess embrace the hate, villain embrace role the villain role, embrace the hate, embrace it. I love it. I want to see more. Yeah, I think the U.S. is actually going to steamroll Sweden. I think. I think the result you should have saw today, you might see it against Sweden, actually. You might see a 5-0, 6-0 result. But, listeners, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Pod. You can follow Stephen Jodoran, at Stephen Jodoran. You can follow Armand Kafai, at Armand Kafai. And you can follow yours truly, at Jake Watroba. Question of the day. Before we let you go here, tell us what you think. Listeners, make sure you let us know what you think on the question of the day as a neutral do you find this world cup fun from a sporting standpoint be on the lookout later this week we'll have an episode with josh babetsky of the austin anthem as we talk about austin fc's record-breaking season ticket deposit and also we will talk a little u.s men's national team as they open up the gold cup for steven and armand i'm jake we'll talk to you guys later Dunkin's new wake-up go-tos mean you never have to choose between breakfast meats again. Now you can get a wake-up wrap with bacon and a wake-up wrap with sausage for $3. That's savory and sweet, crispy and spicy. It's everything you love about breakfast for $3. Wake up your day with new wake-up go-tos. Get two egg and cheese wraps for $2 or mix and match your favorite meats with two bacon, ham, sausage, or turkey sausage wraps for $3. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.